On this week's episode of Mysteries of the Unexplained, you were cordially invited to dinner by a strange family in the deep, dark depths of a Scottish cave. But what's cooking? Will tells us of his worst fashion faux pas and also joins a girl band. This is Mysteries of the Unexplained. I'm not indulging in your 90s, 2000s songs. I'm not any. This is a new thing that you've started now. You're like a magpie. You're attracted to shiny things and shiny pop songs apparently lately. And I am not going to fall for it, Any. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Mysteries of the Unexplained. I am your somewhat delusional host today, Anya Myra, and here's my little sidekick, the Robin to my Batman, the Catwoman to my Catman. The Beyonce to uh, the Michelle, Beyonce herself. Hello. (laughs) Hi guys and thanks for joining us. I'm just going to say at the top of the show, I'm a little bit under the weather. If you heard our bonus episode before you heard this episode today... Annie is having a post-COVID vaccine reaction and she feels like somebody got her, picked her up, fucked her around the room for an hour, kicked the shit of her, threw her downstairs and then said, go to bed for yourself now and you'll feel better in the morning. Spoiler, I did not feel better in the morning. Oh, sure. And has has to tell everyone. (laughs) Has to tell everyone. And is posting out flyers, printing flyers to tell them on the streets of Cork that... Hey, I, I had a boo-boo. Hmm. <laughs> no way. Hmm. Just so people are aware. A two-episode pity party, if you will. <laughs> um, yes, and I'm going to take it because it's always about you. It's never about me. Um, sorry, who had to record a Weird Wednesday for the other this week because they were sick? And um, what happens when the same happens to me? Nothing. Nothing. I- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You can just go cry for your dinner like you always do. And did you hear about it? No. 
because I am like Diana, Princess of Wales. <laughs> I'm classy, I'm elegant. I'm not like the trashy, trashy, trashy Fergie, which is you. There I said it. Fergie. Oh, oh, Fergie. Oh, do I have to be her? Although if I was <laughs> going to be, if I, I just thought of Fergie from Black Eyed Peas. But if I were going to be any member of the royal family, I would be Fergie, the one who always said the wrong thing in public, who they had to try and hide from the public for many years. Um, She was a bit mental. Mm. She did went off and did whatever she wanted. Then she got divorced, but lived with her. And let's just say it, child abuser husband for the rest of her life that would be allegedly 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 um but allegedly he can't be brought to court over it now come here let's lighten things up a little bit we'd like to say a big thank you to a new patreon this week that is naomi thank you so much thanks naomi on our patreon page you've got a little foxy face aren't you so cute thanks so much for supporting us and to all of our patreons for supporting us and we hope that you are enjoying the weird wednesdays and like we were saying on the patreon there during the week do send us in your grinder gears on the little message on patreon we love them we're having great crack we like Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. see that everybody is as angry as we are in our day-to-day life we love that now, William. Yes. As well as getting a bonus episode of part two of The Watcher um, this week, we're also getting another little bonus because we're going back to Scotland where we were last week. I'm staying in the land of the Scots and I'm going to bring you a very famous story. Um, well, maybe it's famous if you're Scottish or live there for any amount of time because this is the story of Sonny Bean. Oh. Have you heard the story of Sonny Bean? No, I haven't. I don't even know what you're saying. I just said, ooh. <laughs> Are you saying Sonny Bean? I'm saying Sonny Bean, S-A-W-N-E-Y, and then Bean, which was a name. Sonny was a name in Scotland back in the day. Um, I'm not going to ruin too much. I'm just going to get into it there much, and I'm not going to give the story away at the start. I want to say that this is taken from this beautiful book, called Tales of Galloway that was published in oh now let me just get the publication date because I always think it's mad like that you can find these books on the internet oh my god it was only 1979 it looks like something now that was fucking published (laughs) imagine you were like oh I have a very ancient book and this book is called Twilight uh, by Stephanie Myers and it is about a vampire thing oh it's actually from 2008 I see (laughs) (laughs) and you're like Bella Swan had been started reading out a fiction book I actually watched I'm not even going to lie to you lads I'm going to put it out there I watched Twilight Part 2 last night (laughs) after you insisted that you put it on in my house and I sat there in shock as you mouth agape looked at the film going a fly flew in and flew out and you were like Edward Cullen (laughs) I was like oh my god she's after having a stroke and then the next morning insisted I put it on again very strange happenings going on with this one (laughs) Yes, that's right. You heard me. Twilight, everybody. Twilight. But lads, it's just... The, now, let, can I just say, I never watched them first time round. This is actually my first... It's all bits and pieces. But I am just constantly surprised by Kirsten Stewart's acting. Like, it, uh, that's why I watch it. It is so beyond ridiculous that it just gives me a great laugh. And, um... That's all I'm going to say about it. I love you, Kirsten. Don't listen to this wicked witch. 
As if, as if, is it Kirsten or Kristen? I always get it mixed up. As if she's listening to our Bet Down podcast. Well, would you ever get those notions out of your head? Now, shut up. I'm going to tell you this story, okay? <laughs> See you for lunch, Kirsten. Kristen, Kirsten. Sonny Bean was the son of an East Lothian hedger and ditcher, born in the early 15th century during the restless reign of King James I. He was from the start a wastrel, and his father's industrious manners being uncongenial to him, he left home and began wandering the countryside. He was a brute, a young man completely lacking in moral sense and apparently with a psychopathic instinct. Soon, with a woman whose character was as vicious as his own, he had established himself as a robber and then a cannibal in a cave on the western shore of Galloway. At that time, the greater part of the Scottish population lived in clackens and small villages scattered thinly among the mountains and the rough wilderness and somewhat more densely throughout the regions of good agriculture. Pockets of habitation sprang up. Others were abandoned. The houses crumbled into the earth and soon vanished beneath the long grass. They were troubled times. And whilst local forces kept order as best they could, much of the country was remote. The roads were little better than pothole tracks. Authority was largely centralised at a considerable distance, and in any case, the court itself was in a state of great unrest. Many of the Highland chiefs were executed in Inverness. Ultimately, the king himself was assassinated at Perth. The local landowners kept order among the poorer people as they were able, but whole tracts of lands were beyond their jurisdiction and control, and there the footpads and lawless brigands did pretty much as they pleased. She's going to stop and just take a painkiller and a mouthful of coffee. Oh, Jesus. Talk about baby. Shut the fuck up. In such a place, <laughs> at Lonely Shore, not far from the Western Road, Sonny Bean and his loving, fertile spouse settled down. They had a living family of 14, eight sons and six daughters, and from an early age, incestuously, 18 grandsons and 14 granddaughters. Never did they mingle with other society, but were entirely sufficient unto themselves. In fact, they lived like animals, by tooth and claw, and that seems the best way to visualise and understand them. For they lived greatly on human flesh, setting ambushes for single people and even small parties on the lonely tracks and the roads of the district. Realising something of what would happen to them if they were caught, they were very careful, setting additional members of the family to either side of the spot where the ambush and slaughter were to take place, so that any victim escaping from the first assault would be caught and dragged down before he had gone many yards. For a quarter of a century they inhabited the cave, and no one ever escaped. Neither was any trace found. A poor workman or a lady on horseback accompanied by servants set out on a journey and did not arrive at their destination. That was all. It is not quite accurate to say that nothing was ever seen again. For though the murderers grew to be a family of considerable size and there were many young stomachs to be filled, there were often bits of their victims that were not eaten or wanted and these were thrown into the sea at a good distance from the cave. Occasionally, they were washed up further along the coast, causing great horror and speculation. Searches were carried out, but in that wild and wasted land, nothing was ever discovered. For years it continued, 
and so at great length became the popular outcry that it reached the ears of the court far away in Edinburgh. Spies and investigators were sent into the southwest to find out the truth. The best they could discover was that people had sometimes stayed at inns on their travels, and in a number of instances the landlords were so trapped by circumstantial evidence concerning missing travellers that they were arrested and put to death. Travellers also were executed on the flimsiest of evidence, they, like the innkeepers, protesting their innocence to the very end. But the authorities were determined that outrages must cease and hoped by a ruthless repression to destroy those guilty or to so frighten them that they would cease their activities. The only effect, however, was to scare away a lot of the innkeepers so that there was nowhere for travellers to stay and consequently fewer people came to the district. Cut off to a large extent and doubly frightened, many families moved to other areas but still men and women continued to vanish. A number of the king's spies searching the countryside were never seen again. As Sawney's family grew in size and strength, occasionally a group as large as five or six men would disappear on the road, though they would never tackle more than two if they were mounted on horses. The cannibals were unable to eat as much as this, and while some were thrown into the sea, Quantities of limbs were pickled in brine or hung to dry from the roof of the cave. Legs and arms, haunches, neck joints, ribs and back. Ew. Though they did not particularly bother with their dress and the children went naked, there were no shortage of clothes, nor money either. For by the time they were captured, after 25 years of cannibalising the district, it was estimated that they had killed and eaten more than 1,000 people. (gasps) On the day of a fair, a man and his wife were returning home on horseback when they were set upon by the ferocious gang. The woman was riding pillion behind her husband, and while he drew his sword and fought the murderous cannibals off, clinging to the saddle and his feet set firmly in the stirrups, she was largely unprotected and clutching hands broke her grasp around his body. In the struggle and dusk he saw her dragged to the ground, her head yanked back by the hair and her throat slashed open with a big knife. Then the women fell upon her and began squabbling over her blood, drinking it as fast as they were able. She was disemboweled. It happened in an instant, like a nightmare. The man, seeing it, fought in a frenzy. Doubtless he would have suffered the same fate as all the other victims if a party of 30 people also returning from the fair had not at that moment come down the rough track towards them. For the first time finding themselves outnumbered, Sawney Bean and his family made their escape, dragging with them for some distance the body of the dead woman. Her husband cried to the approaching company and told them what had occurred, which at first they could not believe. Then they followed the retreating family and found the butchered body of his wife lying on the ground. There seemed no doubt that they had discovered the fate of the missing travellers. Some members of the party escorted the man to Glasgow, more than 70 miles away, where he told his tale to the magistrates. Immediately the king was informed. Three or four days later, a party of 400 men, led by King James himself, set out for the lonely district where the cannibals were thought to live. With them they took bloodhounds. It was the king's determination that once and for all these murderers be brought to justice and destroyed. They reached the place of the attack and saw the blackened blood on the earth. They scoured the surrounding countryside, but no trace was to be found. 
that gave any clues to the family's whereabouts. Descending to the shore, they examined a number of small caves and viewed water-filled caverns, but nowhere did it seem remotely possible that as many people as would populate a small village might live. When they returned to the shore, the tide was low, and they saw that now some of the larger caves were just accessible, black above the rocks and lapping water, or sea-rippled sand. No one, they thought, would inhabit any place so awful, and did not even bother to search them, but continued along the shore. By chance, however, two or three of the bloodhounds entered one of the caverns and set up a tumult of baying. Some of the king's party followed and entered the dripping dungeon. Ahead of them, a grim, twisting tunnel retreated into blackness. Bloodhounds strained at their leashes, and those running free pressed on ahead in the darkness and would not come back. Their baying and yelping was deafening in the confined space. Filled with foreboding, the men retreated to the entrance and sent for their torches. Holding the blazing brands aloft, with swords at the ready, the soldiers and bold spirits from King James Court advanced into the tunnel. The tide, they saw from barnacles and sea rack, ran into it for 200 yards. They advanced even further, beyond the weedy pools, and further, by many labyrinthine twists and turnings, until it seemed they must have travelled a full mile underground. Then the cave ahead opened out into a chamber. As the flickering light of their torches touched the rocky walls and the shadowy recesses of the roof, they stopped, horrified. For there, the ghastly, gibbet-like larger of human limbs and parts hung drying on cords and ropes and pickled in barrels of brine against the walls were the inner organ, hands and feet and still more human flesh. Clothes taken from their victims lay strewn and piled in corners, with mildewed scabbards and thigh boots, and a welter of rusting swords and muskets. A rocky shelf nearby was piled high with glinting coins, and handfuls of other possessions, rings and watches and brooches, which fell in confusion to the ground. And beyond, where the tunnel resumed at the inner end of the chamber, were the first watchful, crouching, silent members of the Sawney Beans family. After desperate fighting and pursuits, men and women acting like wild animals, the children writhing and struggling, biting and stabbing ferociously with bits of sharpened bone, the entire family was captured and bound. They numbered in total 48. The king's men were appalled. The human remains were carried to the shore and buried in the sand. The valuable spoils were tumbled into sacks and money bags. Then the cannibal family secured, tied, securely tied in single file, King James led his party inland, eastwards towards Edinburgh. News of their progress went before them. The crowds gathered in the streets to see the cannibals pass through. They were not disappointed, for though they might be sullen to the very last, they acted like wild things. In Edinburgh, they were imprisoned in the toll booth. The following day, trial being considered unnecessary, they were taken to Leith and executed. Almost all died without showing the least sign of repentance, struggling and cursing their captors to the end. The men were dismembered, their private parts, hands and feet being severed from their bodies so that they bled to death in a short time. The women, having been made witness of the men's fate, were burned alive in three separate fires. Now there is a footnote to this story. 
The first written account of Sawney Bean's family seems to have been a broadsheet dated about 1700, from which this story was taken. Interestingly, for that time, this claims that the king was James VI, remembered as the witch persecutor and rooter-outer of evil. Now, you will remember, Will, that when we did a story about witches back in the day, it was indeed this King James who was said to have written a book about witches and had made it his life's work to rid the country of them. So I'm sure the cannibals would have fell into this um, bucket of horrible people for him. There's actually a drawing in this book, lads, that is the most bet-down pencil drawing I've ever seen in my life of the Sawney Bean family <laughs> with hands and legs hanging from the roof of the cave. I will post that for you on the Facebook group and for, on the Patreon page. But Will, what do you think of this horrendous, horrible, disgusting story? Do you think that this is real? I think it's absolutely disgusting. Just a quick note on that king. He did a shit job of getting rid of all the witches because you're still alive. <laughs> so... Come for me, bitch. Um, I think it's a disgusting story. Um, oh, cannibals. Like, imagine eating somebody else. Yeah, I wouldn't go near you for eating. You'd be awful stringy. You'd be like, all. Oh, you'd be awful stringy. You'd be like, they cook you and, and be, everyone would be like, oh, this meat's gone off, isn't it? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, but weirdly, like we just killed her. So how could it be gone off? And they're like, I don't know. It's a bit sour tasting and it's just a bit bleh. And everybody, everyone would be like, I'll pass, I'll pass, I'll pass. And I just give your plate a kick. <laughs> if me and you went off on some expedition somewhere mm. though and we got caught mm. in like really really um uh, unsuitable terrain and conditions and there was a snowstorm and one of us passed away like it would mm-hmm. obviously be you first I'd eat you I'd eat you to, to, to save myself you wouldn't would. get a chance to I'd have you gone <laughs> you'd be gone on the day one because I wouldn't be able to listen to you suffering going on moaning <laughs> Going on about your second jab or your COVID or like that <laughs> 20 years ago. Would you give it up, please? I do have some voluptuous parts that would be lovely and fleshy and tasty. But come here to me. I wanted to look. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wanted to look into this story. I was like a thousand people. Like I remember. So if any of you have ever been. Hello to all our little Scottish listeners. That if you've ever been to the Edinburgh dungeon, um, there is a Sawney Bean in there and he comes out and they tell you the story of the family and blah, blah, blah. And I was always kind of fascinated with it. And I always kind of like took it with a pinch of salt. But there are varying accounts of this, whether like it was actually a thing that happened and that many people were killed or that there was some kind of family who attacked people Mm. and there may have been cannibalism involved. Like Scotland was a very remote, savage place at that time. And if you've ever been to a football match over there, you will absolutely know that they're still savage to this day. And I don't think they'd mind me saying it. Um, But I wanted to know, like, was there any truth in this at all? And it might surprise you or maybe you know this already, that it was this story that actually inspired the movie The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, go away. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm going to read to you a little bit that I found on, um, this is actually from the BBC website, guys, and we won't have any copyright infringement here, you see. <laughs> Forget Hannibal Lecter. Caledonian cannibal Sawney Bean makes him look like a fussy eater. According to legend, the Bean clan killed and ate a thousand people in a 25-year reign of terror while hiding out in a sea cave on Scotland's southwest coast. The infamous tale of Sawney Bean has over the years inspired many novels, plays and operas and at least one major Hollywood movie. Yes, it is. Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. 
But where did the story come from? Scottish historian Dr. Louise Yeoman says it sounds like the plot for a box office topping horror film and that's because it was invented to serve a very similar purpose, to sell books. Mm. It also has a more sinister subtext. The books it sold were published not in Scotland, but in England at a time when there was widespread prejudice against the Scots. Dr. Yeoman says that despite being most often set at the turn of the 17th century, the story of Sonny Bean cannot be found until more than 100 years later. At the time of the Jacobit Risings in 18th century, the English press regularly portrayed Scots in a negative way, either as subjects of ridicule or as of having a sinister nature. She adds, The name Sonny itself was a popular English name for a barbarous cartoon Scot. In a way, it's like calling a cartoon Irish man Paddy. And we all love being called Paddy. Oh. Mm. The Sawney story was a dig at the Scots, a people so barbarous they could produce a monster like Sawney who lived in a cave and ate people. The earliest dated versions of the track surviving in the National Library of Scotland are from 1775. Interestingly enough, this is the year that Johnson and Boswell's tour of the Hebrides was published. So perhaps the schlock horror story was cashing in on a bit of vogue for strange tales from savage Scotland. Some sources place Sawney in the reign of King James I of Scotland in the early 1400s, but most seem to have him in the time of King James VI, who was James I of England around the 17th century. Dr. Yeoman says historical inaccuracy is just one of the reasons why Sonny Bean may be legend rather than reality. So, to tell you, I was actually a little bit disappointed then when I heard that it had all been made up. Like, not that I wanted like a thousand people to have like been like eight when they were on their way to the fair. They were like, oh, let's go to the fair and, you know, get a cup of tea and bring the children. <laughs> oh, no, we got et along the way. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not very nice at all to happen. Yeah, yeah, can happen, can happen. But then I found out that actually the story of Sawney Bean might have actually been taken from another character who was said to have really existed and his name was Andrew Christie Cleek. Mm, What was Andrew up to? Now, and listen to this, as the story of the Sawney Bean clan wasn't told for over 100 years after it supposedly happened, it's hard to take it seriously. Although there is little or nothing in the way of cold, hard evidence to support the idea that a murderous family of cannibals was to eat a thousand people, there is also a possibility that the macabre tale was based on the apparently real-life cannibal Andrew Christie. He was a butcher in the town of Perth, but also became a victim of famine in the middle of the 14th century. Christie joined a number of scavengers on the foothills of the Grampians, Um, They're a set of mountains in Scotland. And when one of the desperate men died, Christie used his butchering skills to carve up the corpse and serve a meal to the rest of the group. As a result, the group developed a taste for human flesh. And with Christie as their leader, they roamed the countryside looking for victims. Much like the Bean clan, Christie's group ambushed lonely travellers and ate them along with their horses. According to legend... Christie would pull victims off their horses with a cleek or a hook and this is how he got his name Cleek. Overall the gang murdered up to 30 people until one day an armed government force arrived in the Grampians and found the cannibal group. They killed or captured the majority of the group but Christie managed to escape into the mountains. 
His fate is unknown, but there is a suggestion that he moved to the town of Dumfries under the name of David Maxwell. He got married, had three daughters and enjoyed a good life as a prosperous merchant. It was only on the day of his death as he lie on his deathbed that he confessed that he was indeed Christy Cleek to members of his family. So what happened was, you see, there was a story, you see, and then I read the story and then the story mightn't have been real, you see, and you were like, oh, no, they made it up. But then, you see, there is another story and that was real, you see. Oh, it looks like Dora the Explorer got to the bottom of it. (laughs) Dora the Explorer is so cute with her little backpack, isn't she? Yeah, something that you could never afford. <laughs> Go on with your little bag. <laughs> so, um, there might have been a Very bit interesting of interesting story now. Bit, Annie. There might have been a bit of cannibalism in Scotland, but like it just made me think. Like, um, I'm not working for the Scottish Tourism Board now at the moment, but if mm. any of you are there, sounds like you are. But yeah, if any of you are there and get the chance to do the underground city tour, it is unbelievable and like you do realise that like people did live like animals like people lived like animals and I I did one with you over there didn't I the Edinburgh one was that it was that the one Um, we did a few now I've been on so many of them I can't really remember were you with me on the one that we ended up in a room and there was a haunted girl in the room and um, everyone brought dolls to the room and they used to leave them there for her and I was standing in a corner of the room just as we had been told the story of this little girl who was always crying for a doll and that's why people um, left her there and I was standing in the exact corner of the room when the tour guide turned around and looked at me and was like she used to stand in this corner of the room and her name was Annie well well I nearly pissed and shit my pants at the same time I was like get me I was actually I made a beeline for the door I think I knocked over a pregnant lady and I don't even care no shade like I had to get out of there yeah oh god that was the best five euros I've ever spent hey hi guys to do If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's ask really anything oh. because you're asking me. Oh. It doesn't make sense to say oh, ask any anything because the questions are directed towards me. Ask really anything. <laughs> Ask Willie anything. I'm really sorry. I can't. I didn't remember. <laughs> Guys. Because you're vaccine second no, dose and first effects. Because yeah. I'm a human being, you absolute dog. No. And sometimes I make a mistake. Another you. symptom. Another symptom. <laughs> Another symptom. Anger. That's one of the other ones. It's less common, but it still is a symptom, guys. Go on, Annie. Oh, it's okay. my God. Oh, here we go now. Here are all of the questions from this week. We got a lot of them, Will, so don't be fucking around here. Do you know what's really funny? What? Before we go into the section. In a hundred years' time, people are going to be listening to this and everybody that listens to it and us are going to be dead. And they're going to be listening and being like, what the fuck were they talking about? I don't think anybody's going to be listening to this, Will. I really don't think that's something that you need to worry about. Sorry, they'll be listening to my episodes, which is every second week. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll be like, there's some strange person that comes on them intermittently. And I don't know, it's just ramblings. And uh, I don't know. Well, do you want a fucking question or oh, what? Like, because I could just, I'll finish this go right on, now. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Denise Gallagher says, Will, what is the stupidest way that you've injured yourself? Hi Denise, how are you my love? The stupidest way I've ever injured myself is after a drunken night out I came home like a good boy and went to sleep and then I woke up because I had to go to the toilet because I had drank too much alcohol and needed to piss and then I went down, the house I was living in had this weird kind of like it was built on had like two steps down flat, two steps up all in the space of like three foot and I had to go to the toilet, went to the toilet, came back and then slipped on the step and then um, broke my broke my next to baby toe off the side of the wall um, didn't realise it was bleeding heavily put a sock on it because I was drunk went to sleep woke up the next morning couldn't walk had to go to the hospital get an x-ray 
then get stitches in it then they had to give me antibiotics because they were afraid in case I get infected in the bone and that I'd lose my toe and then I was off work for like five days all because of my shitty toe I had crutches and on one of the days I started crying because it was so bad down and I was just like I can't use the crutches I can't do anything and it was also 2015 and it was the gay referendum marriage in Ireland and I couldn't go celebrate because I was afraid in case someone was going to step on my foot and I couldn't work the crutches so I was afraid in case if I drank I would also fall over and kill myself <laughs> true story wow yeah. wow Marantia Catherine Berthold I sang this while chopping veggies this morning I think she is referring to my beautiful song thank you Marantia don't know why I did it just came out so I guess what's a veggie you love and what's a veggie you hate um that's a good one thanks for your question a veggie I love would probably have to be potato because I eat it all the time and clearly it must be my favourite then. One that I hate is cucumber because I just don't understand how people could ever like cucumber because it's disgusting and it gives me acid reflux. Oh my God, I love cucumbers. Love it. That's where Alison we part, Annie. Said... Goodbye. <laughs> Alison M. Scott says, what is the favourite piece of clothing you've ever owned? What a great question. Thank you for your question. Um, it probably would have been this jumper that I had when I was like 20 something and it was like a wool jumper that was grey, yellow and green and I shrank it in the wash but continued to wear it like a belly top oh my god I have photos of you in that jumper and you actually look like I just loved it you you actually look like a child whose mother was just like you're wearing that jumper until it falls apart but like it was up to your elbows and up past your navel careful now Annie because I will bust out the picture of you your full head of highlights do you remember that one where you're eating a fucking roll no, yeah, you know you. the picture. Continue. <laughs> thank you. Kate Pattinson says, if you could be part of any cringe 90s girl band slash boy band, we all know which one he's going to pick, lads. Um, which one would you choose and why? I don't think you do know what I'm going to choose because she said cringe and the girl band that I'm talking of is not cringe. So I would have, if I had to choose a cringe one, it would have to be Daphne and Celeste. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when they played that party in the park or something and they got like bottles thrown at this video on YouTube? Please look up Daphne and Celeste. Um, Like, I don't know if it's party in the park or something, but they got bottles thrown at them. They kept on going. And they had that song. Ooh, screw you, your mama too. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there was people throwing LucasAid bottles at them and nearly fucking knocking them out. And they were like, hi, we love you. And I was like, run, run for your life. <laughs> Nora says, what would be your ultimate holiday destination? A real question this time without upsetting the third wheel. Will love you, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Philip. Hello, how are you? Yes, I hope you're good. Yes. Um... My favourite destination, I'd love to go to the Dominican Republic. Oh, yes. Um, just because it go- looks gorge. And uh, yeah, probably there. Or else I'd love to go to the Arctic and just like have a little look-see around, kick some snow and be like, I'll go home now, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I did um, text you the other day and I was like, we need to go on a holiday. And uh, Will was like, where? And I was like, somewhere tray gay and tray sunny. That's what we need to do. Ruth Newcomb says, in the movie of your life, who would play you and who would play Annie? I think we all know that Bette Midler would play me, but I'm going <laughs> to let you answer this. <laughs> 
who would play me in the movie of my life? Mm-hmm. Oh God, I don't know. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. No, um, it would be Jamie Doran would play me. And get, get up out of it, Will, for fuck's sake! Sorry, it would be Jamie Doran. I said before. A crow Which, interrupted get, me. Get a crow up. came into the studio get. and attacked there. Get. Um, oh, who would play gosh. Annie? I think it would be probably. Oh God, <laughs> I think it'd be like Joe Brand or something. Joe Brand, Joe, Joe Brand, the 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 comedian. Yeah, or like Susan Boyle. Okay, or... we're, mo- we're moving on. We're moving on to the next. <laughs> we're moving on to the next question. Well, Joe Brand is really good. She's a seventy-five-year-old lesbian with a weight problem. <laughs> Oh my god, Annie. I'm not, she is. Oh, Annie Gann. Shame. Shame on you, you're Annie Gann. Uh, but you're Jamie Jordan. You're Jamie. Yeah, okay. Okay, Will. Um, Janique <laughs> says, Will, if you and Annie were in Grey Gardens, which Edie would you be? Now, I have to say, right, that I haven't seen this. It's a documentary film. It looks like me and Will because it's about two upper class, um, uh, upper class reclusive women both named Edith Beale who live in poverty in Grey Gardens derelict mansion at 3 West End Road oh, I've in never watched uh, this. East Hampton and it looks so. really gas and really sad at the same time and thanks Janique that might be something for us to watch tonight I have to watch we'll that there an and get back to you yes absolutely uh, Kat Barnett says what is materialistically what is a materialistically guilty pleasure that you have Oh. Oh, probably anything apple related. I'm such an apple mm-hmm. whore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you don't get much of the other kind of whore in these days anyway. David Mills, who is a new group member, and we're getting the last My new best him. friend, I believe. Yes, go on. Yes, yes. He says, I'm getting huge playground make fun of your secret crush vibes from Mr. Philip Norris over here. <laughs> I would My agree. For- I would agree. <laughs> oh no, it couldn't just be that somebody actually likes me better. Oh no, it has to be that they have a crush on Will. Story of my fucking life. My question for Will is this. Would you rather never hear any music again or have ominous, discordant background music play all the time wherever you go? Um, the answer to that would be never hear music again because if I heard uh, ominous creepy music playing in the background I suffer from extreme anxiety and it would drive me over the edge where I'd probably um, throw myself off a cliff just going about doing everyday tasks thank you well well, we can only hope and pray oh, oh what <laughs> What? sorry Roisin Roisin's handing me a piece of paper here thank you Roisin you can go back to your falafel it sign. says shut yeah. the fuck up I wrote it <laughs> Washington man in yellow dress steals school bus, rams front-end loader into estranged wife's home. Yes, 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 yes. A Washington state man wearing a yellow dress was arrested after he stole a school bus and later drove a front-end loader construction vehicle through the home he shared with his estranged wife, authorities said. Deputies were first alerted to the man, later identified as 39-year-old Andrew Loudon. Saturday night, after employees of Osprey Rafting witnessed him 
him driving off in the company's privately owned large yellow bus. The Chelan County Sheriff's Office said in a press release, responding deputies located the bus and spotted it run through a red light in monitor. The driver refused to pull over when deputies tried to initiate a traffic stop. (laughs) Deputies were forced to give up the chase due to Washington State's new policies reform laws that no longer allow law enforcement to pursue a fleeing vehicle unless there is a probable cause that a serious felony has occurred. Douglas County deputies took up the pursuit through the city limits of Wenatashi, Wenatchee, God, there's strange names up there, but also had to abandon the chase in accordance with the same laws. On Sunday, the sheriff's office was notified the man, believed to be the driver, had been taken into custody in Chelowa. The suspect appeared to be wearing the same yellow dress. Police said Luton had stolen a front-end loader and driven it through his own home. When his estranged wife learned that her husband may be nearby, she had fled the house. Luckily enough, authorities shared some photos that show the very heavy equipment sitting in front of his partially collapsed home. It appeared a car was also flipped into the structure. (laughs) Oh my God. Authorities said Luton had been released Saturday morning from Western Strait Hospital, a psychiatric facility. He allegedly stole the school bus in Leavenworth and abandoned it near Moss's Lake before making his way to Spokane. Luton was charged with theft of a motor vehicle, possession of a stolen vehicle, first degree malicious mischief, domestic violence and attempting to elude a police vehicle. (laughs) And there is a gorgeous little photo of his house, which is Absolutely totaled, gone, and he is outside really? getting handcuffed in a quite nice summery dress, I must say. And I would like to know, oh. Andrew, where you got the dress? Can I buy it in line? And do they deliver to Ireland? This has been Annie for Bully's Bizarre News. Join us for more next week from crazy stories from all around the world. Wow, you'll have to send that put that picture up on Facebook or something as well. Oh, I will, because it's his um, fashion. He's as fashionable driving a stolen yellow school bus. And I would like to just point out that he did match the colour of his dress to the colour of the school bus. I thought that was a nice little uh, that was a nice little addition. Oh, that was a nice little touch, wasn't it? That was quite nice. Before we go, I just want to say, I forgot to say to you, we got a new review on Apple Podcasts there last week. And thanks so much. And it says... Oh, thank you so much. It says, love it, five stars. And it says, too good. And it's from 821 um, on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much. And um, if you haven't already and would like to, please give us a review because it helps us loads on the podcast and we will love you eternally and read it out on the show. If you would like more episodes, you can get a weekly bonus episode called Motu Weird Wednesdays, which is out every Wednesday on our Patreon. And you can sign up there at patreon.com forward slash mysteries of the unexplained. The link will be in the show notes of the episode. And you can also follow us on Instagram at mysteries of the unexplained. You can find us on Twitter at mysteries pod. You can find us on probably we're most active on our Facebook super group which is mysteries of the unexplained and if you have any questions or queries you can send them in to us at motustories at gmail.com thank you thank you for doing some work this week william (laughs) i'll batter you annie (laughs) okay i got i got i really sorry i love you i love you all bye join us next time for more mysteries of the Explain, 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 explain,
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.